Hey, this is Sean Leary, and welcome back to QC Uncut, the number one rated podcast in the Quad Cities, and your only spot for unedited, uncensored, uncut conversation with local newsmakers. I talk to everyone from politicians to entertainment figures to entrepreneurs, and the fellow that I'm with today fits in at least a couple of those categories. He's not a politician, but certainly one of my most admired entrepreneurs in the Quad Cities, the Hitchcock family, Brett and Denny Hitchcock, who run Circa 21 and Speakeasy in downtown Rock Island. They've been going at it now for, has it been 40 years? 42 years. And um, that definitely deserves some admiration. And I am here today with Brett Hitchcock, who um, is, I'm not sure your exact title. You're basically the guy in charge of the speakeasy and you help out denny over at circa yeah i mean my uh my title is director of audience development but i think any anyone that's worked in a family business knows that the title really doesn't mean anything it's pretty much whatever has to be done and so whether it's uh working on uh, the air conditioning in the basement or being up in the balcony or in the kitchen or wherever it is so it's director of audience development but it's pretty much whatever needs to be done that day so we're going to talk a little bit about Circa, but mostly for, about the speakeasy. Um, Circa, real quick, uh, how are things going over there? How's the, the, the current show going? Uh, I just saw Sheer Madness, um, and it was hilarious. Um, I really enjoyed it. I thought you know the cast was fantastic, and I really liked the show a lot. I brought... My son Jackson, who's 11 years old, um, I'll bring him to some of the you know Circa 21 shows just if I think that he's going to like them. And there are some jokes that flew right over his head. Yeah, some of the double entendres, but the physical comedy and just the concept of choosing your own ending and stuff, he absolutely loved it. He thought it was so cool. Good. What's it been like with that show? Um, bringing in maybe a different audience and maybe younger audience into the into the club. Sure. You know, it's rare that we do comedy. Maybe, you know, one or two a year at the most uh, of what we do. And so this one is so different than anything else we've ever done because, you know, first off, it's the longest running comedy in U.S. history. And actually, the, the, the longest and the second longest. It's been running in Boston for about 40 years now. Uh, consecutively. And then it's also been running in D.C. for just about as long. So, I mean, it's been around for a long time. The thing about this show that makes it so unique is that, yeah, you can pick your ending. There's a, any number of different endings that the actors have to be prepared for, depending upon how the audience votes that particular night. But, I mean, there's so many local references and even daily references. I mean, there are things like, uh, you know, one of the characters, uh, Tom Jasper, who's been in so many shows for us and does a wonderful job. I mean, he's going through the newspaper every day looking for either local references here or national references that he can bring into the show in different parts of his. So, I mean, the, the script can change every day to some degree, um, the way the audience votes, the questions the, that the actors ask. And you're right, there is some sexual innuendo in there that for, you know, younger kids may go over their head. Those that are in junior high and high school, they probably hear it every day in, mm-hmm. in school or watch it on TV. So, I mean, it's nothing new to them. But uh, it really is a, a very unique show. And it's done pretty well for us. You know, summer is is a harder time for us because of all of the outdoor oh, festivals, yeah. Yeah. the annual stuff going on, and, you know, the uh, Blues Fest and the, and the Mississippi Valley Fair and, and you know, Make It My Weekend and, and uh, Gumbo Yaya down here and Tug Fest. I mean, all those things that happen once a year, you know, w- with people's disposable income, you know, they only have so much. And so you look at these things like the Mississippi Valley Fair that are going for one week a year. You know, the tickets are, are reasonable based on, on the amount of entertainment you're getting, but it's still a cash outlay. Mm-hmm. And I know for me, I go two or three nights, I spend 50 bucks on beer every time I go, you know, so, <laughs> so that adds up quick. So, you know, so you're looking at that and you're saying, okay, well, if I'm going to go with my family and we're going to buy the fun cards, or we're going to go three or four nights, you're probably going to spend, you know, several hundred dollars. And so it's like, okay, well, a place like Circa 21, you know, they're there all year. So if we don't catch them for this show, or the next show, you know, then we'll come back and we'll get them at Christmas or we'll get them, you know, in January and February when none of the outdoor things are going on. So typically we dip off a little bit in the summer and then we pick right back up again in the fall once everything is done. What do you got coming up next? We are finishing up Sheer Madness. Uh, it'll be done on Saturday, uh, the 7th. And then next week, we open Singing in the Rain, uh, which is kind of the greatest movie musical of all time. Uh, we're really happy to be bringing it back to the stage. This will be the third time. And audiences love it. I mean, it's such a well-known show. Our matinees are already all sold out. We're adding a matinee. Our evenings are starting to pick up. So it looks like it's going to be a really solid fall for us, which is great. Didn't it, you guys make it rain and not in the stripper sense at one point? In the- <laughs> we're not reading dollars. 
dollar bills are uh, all over right yeah, yeah, no. It's a different kind of singing in the rain now, Brad. It's a new era. Yeah. This is the 2000 version. No, uh, no, yeah. For the productions that we did previously, um, it did rain on stage, and that presented all kinds of problems because, yeah. regardless of how you set it up, and I mean, and there were theaters were doing it any number of different ways, from having a basin to having something down there that would catch the water, because otherwise it's going to wreck the deck, your theater, right. your stage, and uh, it's going to warp the wood. And regardless of all the the laminates and things you can put down you still get tons of water on it every night it's going to be a problem and we had actors out you know our stage manager and an assistant stage manager out there mopping up the stage every night to to get the moisture up because it's also a big dance show there's lots right. of big dance oh, yeah, numbers exactly. so so it can't be wet and uh so uh several years ago um, a lot of theaters stopped using real rain and started using lighting effects and sound uh-huh. effects and things like that and so we are going to do that uh just out of you know, preservation of the stage. Mm-hmm. And so it will not rain on stage. It's the first time we've done it. We have done it where it hasn't rained. But again, uh, the biggest theater in Minneapolis just did it a couple of years ago, biggest dinner theater. And uh, um, they did it so well that the, they didn't have a single audience complaint the entire run. And we know a couple of other theaters that have done it that way as well um, without those complaints. So, yes, it's not going to rain on stage, but there's going to be some really cool lighting effects and sound effects and some visual things uh, that are going to make it seem like it is. So you're not going to have two actors dressed as T-Pain and Lil John raining dollar bells down? You're going to stand up on the lighting grid and just right, flipping exactly. ones off, right? No, no, we're not, gonna, we're not doing that. So, but, uh, but a cute idea. Maybe that's like the late night version of Singing in the Rain, right? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Yeah, Tristan needs to uh, bone up on his pole dancing. <laughs> Have him swing down from the lighting grid, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> so, what else do you guys have coming up in terms of uh, season after Singing in the Rain? And, and, you know, what do you got going on after that? Sure. Uh, after Singing in the Rain early November, we kick off our 43rd season down here in downtown Rock Island. So, we're thrilled to still be here after all those years. We're kicking it off with Elf. Uh, we did Elf, I think, three years ago uh-huh. and was probably the most successful holiday holiday show we've had in years and we were the first ones to do it which also helps mm-hmm. you know because so many of the theaters around here now do christmas shows right. or holiday shows that you know you gotta you kind of gotta try to find some that people haven't done but it's very difficult because there are no new holiday shows are very very few that come on the market i'm still waiting for national lampoon to release christmas vacation as a stage version but it that hasn't happened awesome. yet that uh, would be so I cool i don't know why they haven't done it yet i hope that sometime down the road it's going to happen but uh but we're kicking it off with elf again um and uh, our advances look really good on that um we'll be doing that through the holiday season and then in january we are super excited we got the rights for kinky boots mm-hmm. um and uh, we we saw the production at the adler when the tour came through which was very very good but the place was packed right and for us, it's like, okay, well, people that are familiar with the show or maybe have heard a little bit about the show, all they hear is the drag queen. Right. Drag queen, drag, drag queen, drag queen. And we've lost some schools already uh, that were coming during that season because of the, of the drag queen character. And it's unfortunately, it's kind of sad because the show has so much more meaning. I mean, it's all about acceptance and love and, yeah. and things like that. And, you know, the drag queen plays an important part, but the whole show's not about a drag queen. And uh, uh, But some people are just hung up on that and... Uh, uh, and so they have opted not to come. But I think, you know, seeing how it sold for the Adler when it was absolutely packed, um, and I think both balconies, I mean, I don't think they had any seats left. When we bought ours, it was a scattered seats here and there. Um, I, we, I think it should be very good. Um, now, one of the actors who was in that touring production is James Fairchild, sure is. who also ha- who's a local guy yep. who also was in a number of Circa 21 yes, specials. And is there any chance of James coming back and being part of the cast of Kinky Boots here at Circa since he's already a Circa veteran? Well, when James, the day after they did the show here, James came over to see Denny and... Denny offered him that role mm-hmm. the next day, uh, and James was being considered for a production of it, I think, on Norwegian Cruise Lines. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had the exclusive cruise rights for the show, and so I think it was Norwegian. Anyway, he was up for that same part on the tour, uh, or not a tour, but a sit-down production on the ship, and I think he got that because he's not coming to do ours, right. So, uh, which is unfortunate because he James did a wonderful job in that show. In fact, I think there were... F- four or five people in that cast that had worked for us before. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of neat to go and and uh, and see that. And I guess that's one of the things, too, that I think sometimes people forget is that, you know, yes, there's a, a wonderful pool of local actors, and we do hire more and more local actors, but still the majority of our people come in from out of town. Mm-hmm. And so it's not uncommon at all 
when an ad when the Adler brings a show through that you know two or three people have worked for us before mm-hmm. some of the crew people might have worked for us before and you know we've done those kinds of national tours too we've done 11 national tours out of circa 21 you know that have played all over the country you know in Canada and everywhere else and so you know it's it's that's the t- that's the caliber of actors that we're bringing in here for our productions is the same that you see you know there's nothing it's not like the Adler is bringing in you know only actors that you can see in New York or on the road I mean you can right. see them right here in Rock Island at circa 21 you know in a lot of these shows too so um but yeah, it would be great to have James in. You know, we were we were looking at James for Elf too, for the character of Santa, mm-hmm. uh, and it just didn't work out this time. But uh, you know, we'd love to have James back again. So, but he's touring all the time. He's such a good actor. I know he did Buddy for many years. Yeah, he was out touring yeah. on Buddy, uh-huh. doing the Big Bopper, and uh, did that for quite a while. And now has gotten hooked in with this Kiki Boots thing. So we may not see James again for a while. But good for him. So <laughs> it he's, is. He's it is. Well. It is very good for him. James is a good guy, and he's a, a very talented actor. So it's always cool to see people succeed yep. in what. They love, um, and let's talk. Switch gears then over here to the speakeasy where we are at at this moment. Yep. Um, I, as I mentioned, and I've mentioned before, I used to produce shows here. I have a, a very strong affinity for the speakeasy. I love this space. Um, it's got a, a very distinct vibe to it, um, and it's just kind of a cool, almost like underground vibe to it. It reminds me of a lot of clubs in Chicago they used to go to and stuff. Um, and you can do a lot of shows here that are a little more uh, edgy yeah. and, uh, you know, a little, you know, more experimental. Mm-hmm. Um and I love that about it too. The fact that it's it's about 125 capacity, and so you know you can take some chances on some things. Yeah. And you guys have. I, that's one of the things I love about it. Is you got a lot of really cool shows here. Yeah. What are some of the? I know this weekend you've got the um, the stand up, mm-hmm. the comedian challenge again. Talk a little bit about about that. Sure. And. Um, what that entails. Sure. Uh, this is the fifth year that we have done our Speakeasy Laugh Hard Challenge. And what that is, it's a, it's a basically a regional stand-up comedy contest uh, where we have comics you know, come in from all over. I mean, we've had comics from Chicago, St. Louis, Denver, Omaha, Cedar Rapids, Iowa City, Peoria, uh, Springfield. I mean, they've come in from all over over these last five years to compete in this. So we have two preliminary rounds. We have our, our, our first one is this Saturday on the 7th. Our second one is on the 14th. And then we have a week in between. And then we have the finals on the 28th. So we have 15 comics that perform each night. Um, and the top five from those move on to the finals on the 28th. So uh, we have five. Uh, the, the, the 15 we have this Saturday are really literally from all over Iowa and Illinois. They're coming from all points. And so we'll take the top five, move them into the 28th, and we'll take the next uh, uh, five uh, from the 14th uh, prelim and move them into the 28th. And so our finals then will happen uh, where the winner of that night will receive $1,000. Mm-hmm. So we've been doing this now for five years. And, you know, there aren't – there is not a – true comedy club left in town. I mean, uh, there's us that we do our, we do stand up on a monthly basis. I think, you know, Chris Schlichting has the stuff going over in Davenport at Red Renwick. Yep. He's doing his thing over there. Donnie Townsend, I think has, uh, has a thing down in the village. village. Yep. Down of the open mic at the brew. Yep. Mm -hmm. And Donnie's been doing that for a long time, but there really is not a, uh, a comedy club in town anymore, and that's because they just they couldn't make it. I mean, the, the, the formula for those things are very difficult. It's basically, you're giving away all the tickets and just hoping to make it on the bar, right. and, and and it's very difficult to do that. And so, you know, we we tried to do that in our infancy over here, and, and just found really quick it wasn't going to work. I mean, we were booking national acts, and and uh, it just didn't work. We were losing our ass, and so we said we can't do this. And so we found that our niche in here is with the local comics, and I don't think that a lot of people realize in the area. What a strong local stand-up comedy group that we have mm-hmm. in town here. I mean, there's some really, really good stand-ups. I mean, it's also a good nurturing thing for guys that are young that are coming in. I know we see that a lot with our open mic here once a month where people are just starting out and this local community just embraces them. Mm-hmm. You know, we'll help them and be there to answer questions. And I think that's what that's what makes a scene strong. And I think we have that. And it has its ups and downs. I mean, I'm sure there's times where, you know, you're not getting paid to do it. It's a hobby and, and you know, it, it, I you know, have never ri- written a 
stand-up comedy routine before, it's got to be difficult to come up with material. And so I'm sure it gets discouraging. Some guys, you know, you'll see them for a while, then you just don't see them anymore. And that's fine. But, you know, there's usually someone right there to take their place and, and to try it out. And, and some hit it and make it, and, and, and some don't. I mean, I know that Chris is probably one of the more established ones we've yeah, got here. And yeah. Chris has worked all over the country. And, um, you know, guys like James Draper, you know, is working mm-hmm. a lot, too. Todd Wilhite and Donnie Townsend. I mean, so a lot of these guys are, are out there working. Guys like Bobby Ray Bunch, I know, was doing some yeah. stuff, too. And now Bobby's kind of doing more of the musical thing in LeClaire, and that's great because he's terrific at that. But, uh, you know, the scene kind of goes up and down. But, I mean, there really, since there isn't a comedy club, you know, we're trying to keep that trying to keep that alive, you know, along with Chris and, and Donnie and, and, and have some programming where it's just stand-up comedy. I mean, we do right. the improv stuff too, but, you know, we just have that, that open mic show once a month. And so we decided five years ago, why don't we have a competition too and kind of promote this area as a comedy hub? Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's what we've done. And I think it's worked really well. I mean, we've had a couple of winners over the five years that came from the Quad Cities. Donnie Townsend won it um, a couple of years ago. Last year, our winner was from uh, Peoria. Mm-hmm. Um, um, his name was Becca Kenny, mm-hmm. uh, and then Matt Stein, who works all over the country, is uh, Blindstein is what he goes by. He is blind, and uh, you know he won it the year before that, and he's worked all over the country. So I mean, we've had some quality people coming through here in this competition that have gone on to do pretty big things. I think Beckett's working in Chicago now and doing some stuff up there. So. Um, it's it's really it's really fun. I mean, it's so it's it's an opportunity at these three shows for for Quad City audiences to see not just the local people that they might be used to seeing at the open mics. Now there will be local people as part of this as well, but to see comics coming from all over. I mean, um, the second prelim, I know we've got a guy from Chicago coming in. We've got a guy from St. Louis coming in. We've got one from Springfield coming in. So that just happened to be in the draw that they ended up being on that second show. Um, so I mean, they're coming in from all over the place, and I think that's in part because. The space has a good reputation for stand-up comedy, and it is a good room for comedy. I mean, it's an yeah, it's an it intimate really room. Um, it's not too big, you know. Not like playing, you know, something like at Circa. You know, stand-up comedy at Circa is difficult. I would think stand-up comedy, like at the Spotlight in Moline, it's such a big space, right, right. is hard. I think comedy, especially stand-up comedy, works best in a small, intimate room. Yeah, and, and I think that's why you know why why comics like playing in this room. Uh, and again, probably why we see the success that we have with the draws and with the amount of comics coming in over the five years. Yeah, I mean, this really is perfect room for, for comedy. Yeah. I mean, and it's narrow. That's the other thing is, you know, acoustically and also in terms of everybody's focusing on yeah. one area. Yep. That's it. I mean, really, you don't have a whole, whole lot to look at otherwise. That's it. <laughs> lot, lot, other than the people. Exactly. And a lot of the other shows, you know, they're in, they're in other establishments. You know, they, the guys, right. people may be yeah. walking in to brew yeah. that aren't there to see no. the comedy show. And so, you know, if, they, if they're plight and nice, they'll kind of stay out of the way and not be noisy. But I know there's been other times where, you know, there's been shows where people haven't been there, you know, and maybe I'm, where I'm transitioning a little bit to burlesque. I've seen it more with some of the burlesque shows, uh-huh. like over in Moline, you know, where they'll come in at Rascals and they won't be there for that particular burlesque show. And so they're just there to drink and party and they could right. give a shit if something else is going on there. And, and so it just, it makes it rude. I mean, it's hard for the audience to hear. It's disruptive for the performers. Yeah. And that's one of the things that's nice about here. If you're in this building, you're here to watch whatever's going on on stage. You're not just walking in to have a drink because we're not that kind of facility. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, let's talk a little bit about the burlesque. Yeah. I mean, you guys were kind of ground zero mm-hmm. for the whole burlesque uh, explosion here in the Quad Cities. Yeah. And it's certainly evolved quite a bit over the years. And you've seen a lot of offshoots. Mm-hmm. People go over to Rascals and other different spots around the area, yeah. but it all started here, and you guys deserve credit for that, for you know taking a chance on it at a time when I remember writing the first stories. I remember getting a call from you and saying, "Hey, we're gonna we're looking at doing this," you know, and and um, you know with Danny, and um, and I'm like, "Oh, I think it's a cool idea." Nobody's doing it. I mean, I always love seeing new stuff yeah. being done. I like seeing people take chances because it just freshens the scene up artistically and creatively. Maybe it works, maybe it doesn't, but at least you took the chance and that's always cool. And so I was really excited about it and I remember seeing like the initial shows and stuff and coming out and it was it was a great energy to it and now years later we're seeing like an evolution where some people are kind of, you know, taking a step back a little bit more and some yeah. people are moving forward a little bit more. What's it like to to have been a part of that and what do you see as the current scene being like? Sure. I think that we at the time that we started working with Danielle it was kind of a perfect storm. 
because we were just open. We were looking for things mm-hmm. out there. We knew we didn't want to just be a stand-up comedy club because we wouldn't last. We had to do other stuff. And so looking through, I think we saw something about Danielle. And that was right before the show broke. I mean, that's right before it really hit and got really popular. But we saw that she was a burlesque performer and that she'd done a few scattered shows here and there, but nothing really organized. And so we reached out to her and we said, hey, listen, we've got this room. Uh, you've got a burlesque troupe. You know, are you interested? And so we met with her and it worked out and um, it was really good in those early years. I mean, there was it was it was packing the house oh, and yeah. and just with the show breaking or really hitting. I mean, then her name was becoming more and more famous at the time, too. Right. And so, you know, we were having guys and, and, and people with the whole burlesque thing, it's really about body empowerment. It's about making women feel comfortable in their own bodies and getting up and do it and feeling great. You're always going to run into a bunch of horny guys that just want to see women take off their clothes. Right. We, we were getting calls. Hey, is that woman from American Pickers going to be there taking off her clothes this week? I mean, so we're get, <laughs> we're getting that kind of we're getting those kinds. I, of like, I like the subtlety, Brad. Well, that's exactly <laughs> yeah. what the calls were. Yeah, right. yeah. And, 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 uh, and so you know with that a lot of people were coming in to see her. Um, but I think at the same time that was happening, the History Channel was looking at this and saying, you know, this really isn't the image we want to put out there with one of our new budding stars. You need to scale back. And so they asked her to stop performing so much and still be involved, but more behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. And uh, so as she was doing that, um, you know, she wasn't on stage any longer uh, or very little. And the rest of the troupe was still performing. But, you know, that was a few years into us doing it. And I think that at the time, Danielle was getting ready to move to Chicago. She felt like she was at a point in her career with burlesque that she wanted to start performing in bigger venues she mm-hmm. wanted to start doing oh, the adler yeah. the adler or going to stuff and doing stuff in chicago or doing festivals or things like that that's not what we you know we're not really that space and so uh, a lot of the people that were with her um decided you know the, let's have a parting of the ways and i'll never forget it was like an eight o'clock and a night i happened to be at my parents house for dinner i got a call from wayne Leiter, mm-hmm. and wayne said hey there's a bunch of us that have decided we're going to go a different direction than from Danielle. We want to form a new troupe. We want to keep performing in the speakeasy. Would you be willing to talk to us? And I said, absolutely. And it was, you know, it was, it, we really had to sit down and look at this because do we stick with the known commodity, which was Danielle, and know that we, that we got the draw with her, you know, knowing that it would, might be a short-term thing because she's probably going to get out of town or, you know, she's so busy with the show now and, right. and with the obligations she had to do with that, that she may not be around very much. And would there end up being a troop or do we go with this group of people that have been performing with her for several years? They know the space and they're go-getters. And we said, yeah, it's kind of a no-brainer once you stop mm-hmm. and think about it. So we went with this group and that became Bottoms Up. Right. And, um, We've been, I think the first show we did with them was maybe in 2010. I was just looking recently. So we've been working with them now for quite a while. And, you know, it's really fun to see how the troupe has has grown um, and, and what they're doing. I mean, so we've had so many people as part of that troupe that have come and gone over the years, you know, whether they were just there for a short period of time or whether they were there for an extended period of time. And I know that right now, they, uh, one of the originals, there's only three originals that were left, and that was Mary Quite Contrary, Mac DeVille, right. and Josh Kahn. Those are the only three that were left that came over in that, in that split. Um, and I think that uh, Mary Quite Contrary now is, is going to be branching off and starting her own thing. And so that's leaving, um, that's leaving Mac DeVille and Josh Kahn is the only two originals left. Mm-hmm. Um, so we are looking forward to um, working with them now as they're going through kind of a transition again. And we've seen this with Bottoms Up over the years, and there's nothing wrong with it. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're not changing, if you're not evolving, you're going to get passed up. Oh, yeah. And so they're really good about every once a year just kind of hitting the stop button and the reset and coming back with something bigger and better. And I think that's what we're, what, what we're looking forward to now in 2020 with them. Um, Josh Kahn is kind of assuming the role, I think, as manager now. And so we look forward to working with him. We've been working with him for years. And so, um, you know, and, and the troupe that they have are really top-flight performers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, they're looking for auditions. They're looking for more people. Um, they're still going to do their their burlesque school that they've done that's been so successful for them. So I really think that the, that the future looks pretty bright for them with respect to the amount of troops now. I think for me, it's very much like theaters in this market uh-huh. when you talk about burlesque troops with a metro market of three hundred and fifty thousand or yeah, three hundred yeah. whatever it is. There comes a point of oversaturation, mm-hmm. and I think we're there with theaters in this market now too. I think we've got enough theater in this market. It's a wonderful that this community has so much theater, but at a certain point, it's too much. I mean, there's just too much. You, you've so. got to distinguish yourself. Yeah, you've right. got to have a different brand. Yeah. you can't have everybody doing the same stuff. And I mean, honestly, that's 
like when Tristan and I first started producing theater back in the early 2000s, that was the problem. The reason why we started doing it is because everybody was doing the same things. Right. And you had you guys, Playcrafters, uh, Richmond Hill, Music Guild, yep. and everybody is doing the countryside. And, and they're all doing, you're all doing Grease, and you're all doing yeah. Sound of Music, and exactly. you're all doing the exact same stuff. Yep. And so there was nobody who was doing anything different. And so we, we started doing shows to do stuff that's different. Right. Now I think you're kind of for a while after we you started doing it, uh-huh. other people started saying, "Hey, you know what? If these two idiots can do it, then well, anybody can." <laughs> <laughs> so they started doing it themselves too, which yeah. is good. Which is the whole point. I mean, right. we kind of wanted to open the doors, right? And um, so then you started to see more and more indie theaters. But then people started realizing, "Oh shit, this is a lot of work." Yeah. You know. Yeah. And then it then it becomes like, "Oh well, this isn't as fun when you know you got to put in this amount of work because you yeah, do exactly. It's a lot of work to produce shows." Um, and now I think we're starting to see the same thing where maybe we're seeing a little bit of cutback mm-hmm. in terms of that. But that's when the innovation usually begins. Yeah. When you lose some of the people who are like, yeah, you know what? I don't want to do this anymore right. for whatever reason. Yeah. Um, you start to see that. Once you see a consolidation of, uh, of things starting to get a little too much alike, mm-hmm. that's when people hopefully start to strike out and do their own thing and create their own brands. Absolutely. And that's, those are the things that generally tend to succeed are things that offer something that no one else is offering. Right. And I think that was the case for a long time. And I think as more and more theaters started popping up in the last 10 to 12 years, um, there was all that creativity. Everybody kind of had their own niche mm-hmm. and we've always been more aligned. I think with music guild, we've always done the same kinds of shows that since they were here before we were. And so right. it's always been that case, yeah. you know, Playcrafters was not doing musicals. They were doing other stuff. And so we really weren't really Really affected by them so much, we weren't doing the same kinds of things. But now, as more theaters start to pop up, you know, with uh, you know Tristan, for example, you know, and he did it for many years and did yeah. it successefully. You know, Mike Schultz's company over in uh, um, and Tyson Danner, the company mm-hmm. that they had over in Davenport, um, that's still doing stuff. Um, the Spotlight in Moline with Sarah and Brent. I mean, they're doing stuff, and they they are not necessarily some of the shows they're doing are shows that we wouldn't do. Um, and some are. And so, you know, you're getting more of that. And I think that it's just, it gets to a point where you're, you're only looking at a certain percentage of the local population that are theater goers to begin with. Right, right. And certain shows don't appeal to certain people. So, you know, you can, you know, you'll, depending on what you're doing, you rule out a certain percentage of that uh, of that niche of people that you're going after. But when there's just so much theater available for people, um, it becomes difficult. And as the only one in town that pays everybody, you know, I know that some may do stipends and things like that, but everybody that works for us gets paid. I mean, whether you're an actor, you're a designer, you're a director, mm-hmm. musical director, choreographer, I mean, everyone gets paid. And so, you know, it becomes difficult when there's just so many options for theater. And we're not only just fighting against Theaters, we're fighting against Netflix. Yeah. We're fighting, you know, we're we're going against the the baseball team. I mean, we're going against everything that's mm-hmm. out there that's 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 fighting for that entertainment dollar and that small piece of the pie. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's not just the theaters; it's it's everything. But I think that there comes a point, yeah, where it just is is is. It's just difficult mm-hmm. to just maintain, and everyone's doing so much stuff. And you know, Laura Adams has got a, that great venue downtown Moline too, and they're doing things that we wouldn't be doing right. either. Shows we would be doing, but you know, I think they're doing it very well, yeah, uh, as well too. And uh, you know, so she's kind of got her niche there. And I think, you know, I, we were talking about earlier. I think Laura really and her partner did it right in the yeah. sense they started small, exactly. Instead of going into a a four hundred seat theater or, or a bigger venue, they started really small. You know, put in shows that fit that space. You've got sixty seats to fill, and there's nothing better than a full theater. I don't care whether it's oh, sixty yeah. seats or yeah. five hundred seats right. or whatever. You know, a full theater is a full theater, and being able to put out there on social media and in your ads, well, all the performances this week are sold out. You know, mm-hmm. that's a good thing. I mean, yeah. that's that's telling people that you're a successful operation. They want to the people draw to that. Yeah, they want to be part of that, and so I think you know that they uh, they really have done a good job. And, and the approach that they've taken with starting out. And, you know, Sarah and Brent got that great space down there, too. I know they're working with the owners of that, and, and they're doing some wonderful shows and camps and things like that, too. So mm-hmm. it's um, a lot there. But just it's just a lot of theater. So. Yeah. And I guess circling back around, we were talking about the burlesque troops, yes, too, yes. about how that was going to work with there, that. There were a lot of burlesque troops and that well, like spun off. Yeah, I mean, there are going to be four burlesque troops mm-hmm. now in this market. I mean, I know Mary Quite Contrary is going to start something, uh, and then uh, we have the one at Rascals, and apparently there's a few others that are Moonshine doing- Misfits, there's Haunted Harlots, there's Mary's 
yeah. gig. There's Bottoms Up. Which one is doing the one at MD Greens? There's one at MD Greens, apparently, too. I don't know about that one. Is that Moonshine Misfits? Is that some of the people that are working for Ashley? Okay. Yeah, I mean, but uh, again, the thing that I mentioned to the folks at Bottoms Up is that, you know, there is also a, a point with burlesque where there's just too much, too. Um, and, you know, it's just with four troops and this market size, and I think even with burlesque, you're probably talking about an even smaller niche market than you are yeah. with theater. Right. You know, the number of people that are interested in burlesque shows in this market and having four options available, it's like, wow. You know, you really at that point have to distinguish yourself as the biggest and the best. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, I think that, you know, this venue helps us do that with Bottoms Up right. because of the venue size and again, the fact that everyone coming in here is coming to see their shows. Right. You know, they're not just walking in to have a beer. As we were talking about with Rascals, how it can be distracting to the yeah. performers on the other side you know, that are trying to perform or, you know, the, the MD Greens, you know, shows that are happening over there. Again, I've not been over for one of those, so I can't speak intelligently about it. But, I mean, it's a bar. And so you're going to have people that are there that don't really care that there's a show going on. They're there to talk and have fun and on a date or whatever. And, and uh, so it makes it just more distracting for the performers. So I think we have a, we have a built-in benefit with the venue right now. Um, and I do think that, you know, with, with the people that they have on board, um, we have really the, the top flight burlesque people. And so I think, you know, with the, the Josh Kahn and the way that he brings in guest hosts and the way he runs those shows with the themes that carry through the whole thing, you know, Mac DeVille has won all kinds of awards and performed all over the place now. And, and uh, you know, so they've got they've got some really good people on board here. And so I yeah. really look forward to, you know, what, what we're going to be doing in 2020. Yeah, yeah. with Mac and Josh, you've yeah. got two people that are not lacking in ambition, energy, Correct. or talent. Right. They're all, they're both very, very talented performers and certainly creative characters so i'm always interested to see what things are going to be coming up with yeah um speaking of you got a halloween show coming up and mac and josh are both involved in that and you also have a number of other folks now is that going to be uh straight burlesque in a horror theme or what is that show going to entail and and when is it is it on actually is it actually on halloween what what's the, the no it is not it is I believe it's like Saturday October twelfth yeah. is the date for that because uh, of us doing Rocky Horror which right, I'm sure we'll right. talk about in a minute we have to Rocky Horror is always the last two weekends in October every year so uh, we had to push them up earlier um, it's a Stephen King theme I don't really see the scripts or anything until we see the show so I don't all I know is that it's Stephen King I've seen the posters it's out there now um, this is traditionally one of their best attended shows mm-hmm. uh, and they do a wonderful job with the Halloween show and uh, um, so I, I, that won't be any different this year right. uh, and so we're looking forward to that um, again that'll be coming up October 12th and then in November we have uh, a couple of shows one of which is one for the end of the month for uh, Toys for Tots mm-hmm. we do a show every year where we really drop the ticket price way down um, and we ask everyone to bring in a toy uh, on a news toy which is then donated to Toys for Tots um, so we've got a really good cause going with that show too and that's always a Christmas themed show uh-huh. so or holiday themed show I guess is more the politically correct way to, to put it now but uh, <laughs> um, but uh, you could say Christmas with me, Brad. We'll be okay, right? We'll be okay. Uh, it's, it's a pagan holiday that's been appropriated by Christians. We, we, and it's like, I don't, yeah, I don't know. We could say Christmas and shit on here at the same time, right? It's you like, can. You can say anything you want to. It's an unedited podcast. So you say whatever the hell you want to. on the Howard Stern show, right? He doesn't it let it. That's a matter. Right. Just let it go. This yeah. is the Quad Cities Howard Stern There you go. Absolutely. Yeah. That's, that should be your tagline, right? <laughs> there you go. Well, write that down. I'm sure you, I'm sure you wouldn't hear from anybody, right? You wouldn't get a cease or desist or anything in the mail. No, no, not at all. Um, but you can no. call it a holiday show. You can call it a Christmas show. I don't give a shit. I mean, really, <laughs> Who gives there are many there are many holidays in December. Whatever one you celebrate is fantastic. And enjoy right. it. Enjoy it. Whatever. I mean, that's exactly you know. Right. But if, if there are certain themes that if you have Santa Claus in a show, then obviously it's not a Kwanzaa show. That's you know, right. so right. you are doing a. Christmas themed show if you have Christmas themes about it if you have like Hanukkah or Kwanzaa or any of the other you know the pagan holidays or solstice or whatever then those are the then that is the name of the show the nom de plume would have to reflect the fact that you are doing a certain type of holiday but given the fact that you say Christmas I will expect certain things you know like Santa Claus for example the reindeer all that kind of jazz Santa Claus will be an elf there you go okay so Quad City favorite John Horvath will be be playing Santa Claus and elves that will be a lot of fun absolutely John in the Santa Santa Claus suit he does a wonderful job at it. So, so you've got okay. So you've got uh, the the Halloween show, the burlesque Halloween show coming up. Yep. 
and that will be fun, I'm sure. I know, like, Josh is a big Stephen King fan, and so that uh, should be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to see what Josh and Mac have to have to do with that. That'll yeah. be kind of cool. Um, Rocky Horror. I want to talk to you about something Rocky Horror. I've realized this. Yeah. When Tristan and I were producing shows in here for My Verona, we were looking at – remember we held – we handed out a flyer at one point to kind of gauge audience reaction and there were all these shows that we were looking about at doing in here and Rocky Horror was one of them we were going to my Verona was going to produce Rocky Horror yeah. and I remember talking to you guys and you were like I don't know because what if people bring a bunch of shit in there and get, yeah, exactly. <laughs> get it all over the carpet? That's totally remember, that was the that's, concern. I know that was. Yes. I remember having to talk with you about it. I'm like, yeah, yes. I don't know how the hell we're going to do that because people bring stuff in. Absolutely. And I remember there was a concern about like, okay, because you got cloth chairs and you got yeah. the carpet and everything else. And if people bring all that shit in here, then yeah. you know it could go nuts. How is that? How is that working out for you? Well, you know, Rocky, and we, obviously it's a great show. It's a fantastic show, and it's a lot of fun. It's one of those cult classics. Right. And we were very lucky, um, and and give much credit to, to Tristan and the folks that ran the district mm-hmm. theater to um, present that thing and start that thing a yeah. number of years ago and kind of build that up to the cult classic, at least in the Quad Cities it is now. I mean, oh, many yeah, people remember yeah. going to see the movie over in Bettendorf, and we get that every year. But, you know, the district theater is the one that really kind of put that thing on the map. Yeah. And so we were lucky to be able to... Um, snag that when, when the district ceased to exist and, and put it in here and, and made it part of our permanent October schedule. Um, and it's worked out really well as far as the the crap that people bring in. I mean, we were very concerned about that, too. And uh, it was our it was our first director um, the first year who was Aaron Churchill mm-hmm. and her husband, Brett. Aaron suggested that we put prop bags together ourselves That's so so we control what comes yeah, in exactly. and so That's instead good. of rice and hot dogs and everything else i mean we we put the stuff in the bags now that aren't going to destroy the chairs and the carpet and the walls and everything else and right. you know it's toilet paper and noisemakers and and uh oh what else have we got rubber gloves and mm-hmm. things like that so you know we have those bags we sell those bags for people if they want to participate not everyone wants to participate in the show mm-hmm. but we give them a bag we sell it for three bucks it's got all the stuff in it i think there's five different things in there and a list of when you're supposed to do it. So we just don't have some random thing happening and somebody's like flipping a rubber glove, you know, right where it shouldn't happen, and uh, uh, which is fun. And you ever have anybody bring those over to Circuit 21 and like get confused? <laughs> We've had people. We did have a couple years ago, we had uh, somebody that would dress. We, what we get it's on the, Golden Pond. When do I put the rubber gloves on? Why is there somebody walking in the door dressed like Frankenfurter in the Circus? So, <laughs> right, right. But we've had that a couple times where people were confused and thought we were doing it at Circuit 21, which, by the way, uh-huh. we will never do because we would be out of business if we tried to do it at Circa. But uh-huh. uh, but in the speakeasy, it works. But we had people come in that were dressed like Frankenfurter and walked in the front door. And Khalil Hacker, who's our wonderful lobby host, uh-huh. kind of caught him, I think, and said, uh, I think you want the space that's next door. So uh-huh. you don't want what's in here. And uh, But people really get into it. I mean, every it's year it's a lot a, of fun. It is. People come dressed up. You know, the callback lines, it's really like any other show when you can yell, you know, asshole and slut. And, uh-huh. and you know, you just let these, these callback lines. And some of them are just raunchy. And some of them are really funny. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's some that are very topical. I mean, I know Kyle. Kyle Jekyllin, who was involved with the show for many years over at the district and also, you know, was in, been involved with our productions a couple of times. You know, he's the master of the callbacks. I mean, he knows them all and he's very topical with them, too. I mean, he had a couple of uh, Trump references last year, which were funny, that came in at certain times. There were other lines, but he'd switched them around. And and uh, so, I mean, it's, it's, it's a really fun time. And, and again, we, we see the same people back year after year. And uh, uh, again, yeah, it's just, a, it's a fun time. You know, if you haven't seen Rocky... Um, Prepare yourself. Mm-hmm. Read up on it. Don't uh, just buy a ticket if you don't know what you're getting into because we don't want yes, to. Yes, yeah, yes. because it is a, a piece of unique theater for sure. Right. Um, but we're also really happy to have a lot of the actors. Don't be a Brad and Janet. Don't be a Brad and Janet. That's right. Exactly. So, But we're happy to have a lot of the same actors back that were in the production last year. Uh-huh. Um, uh, we're going to miss some. You know, Tristan was in it last year, did Frank and Furter, did a wonderful job. Mm-hmm. And he's going to be in Singing in the Rainforest next door. So mm-hmm. he's gone. And uh, Michael Pinnock, who... I'm sure he misses doing that, too. I'm sure he does miss it. I think he, <laughs> he had does. a good time yeah, with it. So I know. He always does. Yeah. Uh, Michael Pinnock, who was uh, Brad for us last year, is also in Singing in the Rain. So we, we don't have him this year either. Uh-huh. But we've got some really talented people stepping into those roles. Um, Nick Munson, who did it for us the first two years, um, was working at a theater in Michigan last year, so he couldn't, so he's coming back and and going to be doing the role of Eddie and Dr. Scott. Mm -hmm. Sarah Hayes, who's a bootlegger next door. Uh, Kirsten Sindelar, who's a bootlegger next door. Uh, We've got a few of them coming back as well uh, to do roles. Um, So yeah, we've got a really solid cast coming back. 
So, and Brad Hoskins will be back again this year to direct for us. Uh, Brad directed it last year, did a really fine job with mm-hmm. it, so we're excited about that. Cool. Um, so yeah, we're looking forward to it. It's very, always a good time. Brad, very talented guy. Yep. Very, I try, I've been trying to get. We've been trying to set up a time when we, he we could, he could be a guest on the show. I'm looking forward to talking to him because yeah. he's had a very interesting eclectic career very talented he just went past 32 years with us at the theater Mm -hmm. i think he started right out when he got done with school augustan i think he started with us right away as a bootlegger and has been ever since but his role i mean what he's done is so much more i mean he's this bootlegger show uh, which we just did the best of the bootleggers which were thursday nights in august i mean brad put that together Mm -hmm. with the help of of laura hams and and sunshine ramsey but brad was kind of the, the the main creator of it and so he's created shows that we've done he's directed shows we've done you know he's acted in I don't know how many shows. Uh, so, yeah, he's a very, very talented guy. And we're lucky to have him. He and, uh, he and weird trivia, he and Tom Lawrence actually inspired my original script that led to your favorite band. Really? Yes, because I loved seeing the two of them together on stage so much. And they had such a great interplay that I wanted to write a script for the two of them. And it started off about two DJs who were down and out, uh-huh. who had done, you know, gotten fired for saying fuck on the air too many times. And they were kind of on the skids. And then that evolved into... One of the secondary characters, Jude, who was a musician, ended up kind of becoming going to the forefront. The DJs went to the back, and then that's how the script evolved. But it all started with the fact that Tom and Brad were such a fantastic on on stage duo yeah. that it was just terrific to watch them perform together. Yeah, they were really good. In fact, Brad did a wonderful tribute to Tom uh, during the bootlegger show. It was near the top of the second act, uh, and they played a couple of Beatles songs. You know, Tom was a huge yeah. Beatles fan, oh, yeah. and uh, he was a, he was a really neat guy. He and, really was. Uh, and a lot of people didn't know a lot about him. He was he was very very intelligent. I know he was he was on Jeopardy, and mm-hmm. I think was on Jeopardy for was a winner for two or three days on that, and, and made some money doing that. And so he was in trivia stuff all over town, and was all always really good at that but yeah tom was tom was a really talented guy that worked for us for a long time too we were sorry to see him go when he retired um but brad did yeah he did a beautiful tribute for tom with some Beatles stuff at the top back too so and as a remembrance i think probably of that time you know working right. together when brad was coming up and and tom was kind of the head male bootlegger and yeah. everybody requested tom and he was the most popular one and mm-hmm. and you see that cycle as it changes over the years and you know brad kind of emerged in that role and now there's you know, still there, and there's others that are very popular too, and uh, mm-hmm. so that's it's a neat thing. To see. It, it really is. It really is. It's, it's sad, to, you know, to see Tom go. Yep. Um, looking at your schedule, some of the regulars you got obviously Viva Las Divas, mm-hmm. very popular. Yep. Um, Windy City dueling pianos. Uh, Viva Las Davis is October fourth, November first, December sixth. Yep. Windy City dueling pianos again. Um, been doing that for a while. That's popular. Uh, September twentieth, November second. And December 21st, Manscape, of course, yep. the Boylesque, uh-huh. uh, September 27th, and that's been you've been doing that for a while too. Very popular, and Shots and Giggles, of course, very popular. November 23rd, December 7th, yeah, and um, then you got a couple of newish. Or, or new shows that are coming in that I want to ask you about sure. that people may not know about. The not-so-newlywed game, let's start with that. That is September 21st and November 9th. Mm-hmm. And, of course, many people you know, of a younger generation may not remember the newlywed the game. They don't know the show. Yep. Let's talk a little bit about that. And how you guys started doing the not-so-newlywed game. Sure. We're always looking for new things in here you know and 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 lots of people have brought us shows over the years and we've tried some of them some worked really well some didn't work and that's just how it goes i mean it just that's how the business is we were looking for another anchor show you know because we have some of the shows you just mentioned now that we do every month that have been very successful for a long time but we got to introduce something else we got to keep moving forward right and so um our business manager, I think, originally had the idea of, of looking at this old game show and trying to bring this to life on the stage. It fit kind of the profile of what we do at the Speakeasy, which we talked about, mm-hmm. is a little bit more edgy, yeah, kind yeah. of adult-themed stuff. So, you know, you can ask these sex questions and everything right. else. And so we thought, well, let, let's try to put this together and, uh, and see what happens. And so we needed a uh, Chuck Woolery, mm-hmm. as it were, for this. And so Doug Kootsley, who's a local actor, <laughs> done a lot of stuff. So Doug, Doug is, our, is our Chuck Woolery. It's a perfect yeah. choice. <laughs> yeah. So Doug has, Doug has developed a character for this. It's uh, Martin, I can't remember his last name now, uh-huh. but uh, uh, it's, 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 uh, it's a British 
um, game show host. Uh-huh. And so uh, uh, Doug is our is our game show host for it. And we have local couples um, that we have. You can sign up through our website, which is the circa21speakeasy.com. Mm-hmm. Couples can sign up. They come in. Uh, they, we have a whole stage just like the uh, just like the TV show did up on stage where the four couples sit. They can play have places for their drinks. We encourage them to bring their friends and family in. And we, we grill them. We put them through the questions. We put them through easy ones. We put them through difficult ones. We put them into those uncomfortable ones like the sex ones. And mm-hmm. I think we had a tiebreaker question. Well, what? What's the euphemism? I know on the show it was making whoopee. Yeah. What's the What's the euphemism that Doug has developed in regard to sex? <laughs> well, I think it's uh, he's not doing whoopee. I'm not sure. Maybe doing it. So, uh-huh. um, but he's doing a really good job with it. And I know one of the questions was you know was asking the husbands of the wives, do you prefer boobs, butts, or brains? Uh-huh. That's like one of the, that, that's one of the questions there. So I mean, we get into some of that kind of stuff and, and then we get into easy stuff, you know, things like what is your, what is your, uh, which relative of your wife do you dislike the most? You know, uh-huh. so we we hit those easy questions, and you hope that they're not in the audience. Yeah, that's well, there was the first one we had. The guy said her sister, and her sister was in the audience, but she almost knew it was the sister. Almost knew it was coming because she took it in stride, and uh-huh. he kind of half waved at her, and uh, and it was good. But uh, um, so yeah, we we tried this now. This will be the third or fourth time coming uh-huh. up, and it's been good. You know, we're still working out bugs, but we're hoping that it's going to catch on and that people are going to enjoy it. Um, you don't really have to know a couple. To come enjoy the oh, season. I mean, if, yeah, if yeah. you remember the game show, even if you right. don't remember the game show, it's a fun time. You know, there's lots of laughs. I mean, uh-huh. we have had people that have come back to see it again, and uh, you know, we do have. A, <laughs> it is a prize package. Too. We've got about a $250 prize package for the winners, which is a uh, an evening over at Circa, mm-hmm. and then also a night at the hotel down at the Holiday Inn. So there are a sponsor for it, uh, Jamie DeRutter and, and uh, his staff down there. So it's worked out really well. So we're just. We're still, we're, it's up there and it's going. We're just working out the bugs as we go along and, uh, you know, hope that it's going to turn into one of our, one of our anchor shows. Now, I'm assuming it follows the same path as the show, which was couples go up. The host asked one a question while the other one has earmuffs or something on. And then they ask the other member of the couple the same question and see if their answers match up. And if the answers match up, they get a certain number of points. That's correct. Yeah. We do it exactly the same way, except instead of putting muffs over them, we have to take them out of the building because we don't have yeah, where to right, go. So, right. so it's working well in the summer we'll see how it works in january and february when we have to take them outside you know for a yeah, period of time but uh, maybe, maybe take them over to circa i think that's probably uh-huh. what we'll have to do but uh yeah we take the ladies out and ask the guys the questions and bring the ladies back and then take the guys out and so yeah it really follows the same format as as what the tv show did mm-hmm. um and uh again just a just a fun time a time to come out and laugh and you know the couples are making fun of themselves and mm-hmm. you know they're answering these embarrassing questions and you know who doesn't like to hear people talk about their sex lives to make, to make you queasy and uncomfortable sometimes so especially if they're too vocal about it so then that's coming up september 21st november 9th uh, doors as as with all the shows doors open at seven you can get your tickets here they're yep. 10 in advance 12 day of um also, you got Under the Purple Rain, mm-hmm. a Prince tribute who is going to be coming in. That is October 5th. Tell us a little bit about Under the Purple Rain. Yeah, Gemini, who is the performer in that, has been doing Prince for a long time, and he really looks like <laughs> Prince. I mean, it's hard to get that look, but Gemini really has it. He's got some wonderful costumes. He has been a part of several of the other shows that we've done in here. He's been uh, a guest performer in, in the drag show. Uh-huh. Uh, he's also been a guest performer with the, with the Manscaped, which is the male burlesque show. And every time I've seen him, he's been wonderful. And I was sitting in the back the last time he was here, I think with Manscape, I was talking to Brad, our manager back here. And, and uh, you know, I'd been thinking for a long time about asking him to do a show on his own. Didn't know whether he'd be interested or not. And, and Brad and I were standing back by the back door or the front door, I should say. And Brad said, have you ever asked that guy about doing a show? And I said, you know what? I have, but I just have, I've thought about it. I've just never asked him. Mm-hmm. So as soon as he came off stage, he went outside to cool down for a minute. I went outside and hit him up at that point and said, would you be interested in doing your own Prince Limp Sync show. And he mm-hmm. said, absolutely. I would love to do that. So I think it's the first time he's done his own show, mm-hmm. but uh, it's going to be a full length show. He'll be having lots of costume changes. He does have a few other people that are going to be with him simply because, you know, changing costumes, sure. doing things like yeah. that, you got to do something in between. So I think he has some, uh, some of his friends from the drag community. Uh, they're going to come in and be performing that night as well uh, in between his acts. Um, but it's the first time he's done it here. And uh, 
we're really looking forward to it. Mm-hmm. Ever since Prince died, we get a lot of calls next door about like Prince Tribute Acts right. uh, and doing something over there. And I know Kyle from the Daiquiri Factory uh, has had a Prince Tribute in, I think did really well for him a year or so ago. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I'm a huge fan of Prince as yeah, well. Oh, so, me too. And so I was, you know, uh, to be able to do something like this, and I'm still trying to find a, a tribute band that plays, you know, mm-hmm. for, over at Circa. But I thought, you know, what a fun thing, you know, to, even though it's all lip sync, he's not right. singing. It'll just be the, it'll be the real Prince music, but just without the vocals and, or with the vocals. I should right. say, and he'll be lip syncing. But even at that, I mean, it's Prince's music is so great, and to see right. a guy that can kind of you know move like Prince, and and he'll be coming down in the audience and taking pictures during the show, and so it, it, I think it's just going to be a really fun night and and something different for mm-hmm. us. And again, as we talked about, you gotta you, you have to introduce new stuff. You know, we can't just do the same six shows year after year after year, or we're just going to go under. And right. that's, and we just got to keep it fresh, got to keep it going. And so things like this that come along, um, I think are, are going to be great. Is this going to turn into an, uh, an every month show? Probably not. But, you know, if it can be a, a once a year or twice a year thing, maybe. And I, I think that people would come out and see it. And uh, we've had a lot of really positive reaction to it so far. We've sold a quarter, you know, we're still well, a little under a month now or just about a month, I guess. Um, but uh, we've had a lot of reaction to it. A lot of tickets are already sold for it. So we're thinking it's going to be a good night. Cool. And as always, I love it, the fact that you guys are taking chances doing stuff nobody else is doing. That's what the space is all about. That's one of the reasons I love it. I love the speakeasy. Go and check out their website, www.thecirca21. That's the number 21, speakeasy.com, thecirca21speakeasy.com. And as always, check out quadcities.com because we write stories about all this stuff all we the time. Yes, so, you, you do. Know. We appreciate that very much. So, um, any any last words, Brett, that you'd like to uh, add in regard to the Speakeasy or Circa? I know we mentioned Circa, but yeah. predominantly we want to talk about the Speakeasy right. and all the stuff you're doing over here. Well, I think you know if we we've got a lot of entertainment going on between both venues, and so you know now that we're past the the festival season and all the outdoor stuff, as you start looking for things to do on a Friday, Saturday night, you know, or Sunday or Wednesday at Circa as well, you know. Think about us. You know, we've got some quality entertainment. You know, with Circa, we're kind of one-stop shopping. You know, you park once and you're done for the whole night. You've got dinner in one location, dinner and show in one location, so you don't have to go anywhere. The speakeasy's a little bit more laid back. You can come in dressed however you want. Mm-hmm. You know, it's set up like a bar in the back. Come in and have a couple of drinks. Watch a comedy show. Watch mm-hmm. a burlesque show if you haven't. Um, but I think, you know, support the arts. And that's not just our two venues. That's all over the place. You know, mm-hmm. if, you, if you're out there, you know, go to an art show. Go to a theater. Support local arts uh, because we all need you. We all need your help. Cool, man. Thanks a lot for being part of the show. And um, once again, check out uh, thecircuit21speakeasy.com and quadcities.com for more information. You can also call 309-786-7733, extension 2, for tickets and more info on the Speakeasy's schedule. Once again, thank you so much to my friend Brett Hitchcock, um, the operator of the Speakeasy here in downtown Rock Island and um, director of audience development for circa and the speakeasy um for being a guest on the show thank you for listening to qc uncuts number one rated podcast in the quad cities and your only spot for uncut unedited uncensored conversation with local newsmakers i'm sean leary have an awesome day